I believe with every fibre of my being that the course I have set out is the right one for our country and all our people. What has been achieved today is not Brexit. I don't believe this government has negotiated fairly or effectively. Brexit is a lose-lose situation. We have always followed the EU mandate. It is utterly unacceptable to anybody who believes in democracy. Hello and welcome to a bonus edition of Brexit, the final countdown. Everything is moving so quickly this week, uh, we couldn't resist a double drop as we count down to the election and of course Brexit Day at the end of January. Um, I'm delighted to be joined by Brexit Party MEP for the London region, Ben Habib. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. And Europe editor Joe Barnes is out of bed and ready to unpick what has been happening um, in what I think we could describe as a monumental week for the Brexit party and potentially the outcome of the election. Would you both agree? I'm very much out of bed, but I'm sitting on the edge of it. (laughs) (laughs) Stay on the (laughs) edge. Always on the edge. (laughs) No, absolutely. Um, I think this week has been the most important week so far in the election as it's really ramping up. So. Absolutely. So just to recap uh, for the, the uninitiated, um, earlier this week, Nigel Farage announced um, a sort of unilateral leave alliance, um, which saw the Brexit party withdrawing from the 317 seats that the Tories had won in the 2017 election. Um, and last night confirmed that the Brexit party will only be contesting Labour seats uh, in the December poll, um, which is pretty significant. So, Ben, just WTF, what do you think of all this? Well, I... I wouldn't describe it as an, a unilateral alliance. I would describe it as a unilateral attempt to prevent a Corbyn or Joe Swinson or combined Corbyn-Joe Swinson government, which is basically hostile to Brexit. You know, there was we've got to be pragmatic. There was no chance of the Brexit party forming a government. What You know, our best chance is to get maybe 20 to 30 seats on a very, very, very good day. And... Um, what we had to do was to prevent, um, you know, Corbyn and, and and Swinson getting in because effectively they are hostile to Brexit. Now, we've got grave concerns about the withdrawal agreement, which I can go through with you, you know, legitimate grave concerns. We've got grave concerns about the political will of the Conservative Party to actually deliver a proper Brexit. Um, but they are at least not hostile to Brexit. The other two parties are are, are openly hostile to it. So what we did was a pragmatic step in the national interest to prevent a a party hostile to Brexit getting control of government. I suppose it immediately begs the question, if if it really is that kind of country before party, why you are still choosing to contest Labour seats um, and not kind of withdraw completely and sort of provide all your like electoral magic, if you will, to the Tories to ensure that we don't get a hung parliament or a very slim majority that might sort of prevent any Brexit being delivered at the end of Jan. Yeah, well, there are, there, are 100 and, there are 150 seats in this country where the Tories haven't won for 100 years. And, you know, one of the benefits of the Brexit party, one of its USPs, if you like, is that we're not um, from any part of the political spectrum. We are for Brexit. And I think there are Labour voters who would vote for us who wouldn't vote for the Tories. In fact, what the Tories should have done, if they were genuine, and this is part of the reason we've got grave concerns about their motives, um, what they should have done was stand down their PPCs in these areas where there was no chance of them winning, so that the Brexit voice had the best chance of getting seats. And, um, you know, it's deep disappointment that, in fact, you know, instead of reacting positively to this unilateral declaration that we made, actually the Tories have been attacking our PPCs, trying to win them over with, you know, various pressure pressure brought to bear as well as incentives. 
and um, you know pressing us to stand down more PPCs, which you know obviously we haven't done and we're not going to do. So um, um, it's been a, it's been disappointing from that perspective. But you know we've got to do what's best. We you know what we think is best to get Brexit done. Yeah, I mean, you're touching there on the comments that Nigel Farage made last night. I think it's the Telegraph yeah. splash this morning. Um, that, that you know that you, yeah that your um, your candidates have been lured over, or have been that CCHQ have been desperate to sort of lure your strongest candidates yeah. with offering them all kinds of incentives not to stand. And I think yeah. uh, your who was on Question Time last night, um, Alex Phillips. Yeah, sort of yeah, interference on an industrial scale. She was saying. Yeah. And I mean, it has really? Been. Yeah, really. I mean, really, it has been. Um, Anne Widdicombe was approached, um, you know, and she said it was a, it was a victory of hope over, uh, it was a triumph of, of hope over experience trying to corrupt her. Um, you know, and Anne is a deeply uh, religious, honest lady, and there's absolutely no way that she would have said that uh, if it weren't true. And I've talked to others amongst my party who have named names and conversations they've had, which I don't want to repeat, you know, for the purpose of this call. But, um, you know, they have, absolutely. I mean, we should they say that the, the Tory party has strenuously denied all this. Um, Joe, do you want to come in? Yeah, no, but you're patiently, pa- pa- patiently waiting. Um, but no, it's quite interesting because the, the Conservatives have been kind of after Brexit party MEPs for quite some time. I remember just after Boris won the leadership the Conservatives, um, CCHQ were talking of trying to lure over Lance Foreman, one of your fellow London MEPs. Yeah. Um, yeah. They were trying to, they were looking at James Glancy, um, obviously a new theater, Rhys Mogg, because of the connections with her brother, who just uh, went into cabinet at the time. So you have been kind of on their, on their radar. But one thing, like kind of one criticism that has been leveled um, against the Brexit party in this is also that you have a lot of kind of Conservative allies, um, even if they're not associated with party. So, People like Aaron Banks, who has now come out in support of Boris. So could you put some of like kind of put some of the critics at, at rest and kind of just say it actually this is the right thing to do. You're not just kind of pandering to the Conservative Party because that's where kind of friends and allegiances stand. Uh, absolutely. We are not pandering to the Tory party. Um I was never a paid up member of the Tory party, but I voted Tory all my life and I was a donor to the party. And I'm absolutely furious with them. Um, I'm absolutely furious with them for a whole host of reasons, starting with Boris Johnson's declaration in July that there wouldn't be a border down the Irish Sea and his declaration that the withdrawal agreement, which he correctly described in July as a horrendous document, identifying the 39 billion being paid up front, etc., with no benefits in return. Um, you know, he said it was dead, 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 and now it's back alive and kicking, and he describes it as a fantastic deal. So, you know, I am very, very upset with the Tories. They haven't approached me, by the way. No one formally from CCHQ has approached me. I've had some soft conversations, but no one's approached me. And I think it's partly because they're absolutely aware that, you know, they wouldn't have any truck whatsoever with me. Um, but the party is definitely not Tory light or Tory sort of predisposed. We want to get Brexit over the line and we want to get a proper Brexit. Um, where Lance and I have a slight ideological difference is that he thinks this withdrawal agreement, this revised withdrawal agreement, more or less gets us there. And I wholly disagree with him on it. I think it's a trap out of which we will not be able to emerge once signed. This is this is one of the, the interesting things. And I think Lance's point of view is... Um, this is Brexit. It gets Brexit over the line. We get we get out. We take the country out of the EU. 
where you're looking for something slightly more purist. Um, how do you think people now perceive the Brexit party? Because you are essentially not aligned, and you're not say aligned with the Tories, but you've given them a clean run to kind of deliver on their Brexit deal. Um, how are you going to be able to keep um, kind of their feet to the fire as such to make sure that Boris keeps his promise um, to not extend that transition period past December 2020? Can I just say two things? It's not that I'm a Brexit purist. When um, when 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 Boris Johnson announced that he had a new deal, uh, I I didn't go on Twitter. I didn't come out against the deal. I didn't say anything. I sat down with great hope to read it. And the real reason, the only fundamental reason that I cannot support it is that the that there are no independent arbitration or judicial provisions in the agreement. Any dispute, any interpretation of that agreement is with the European Court of Justice, which I know from my own experience, and I think people generally know, is a politicized court. It's not a genuine court of justice, and it certainly won't act independently if it comes to a dispute between the United Kingdom and the EU. And it is the ECJ that will rule supreme during the transition period. So the notion that we could put ourselves into a treaty, which, and you know, treaty is, cannot be terminated once you're in it, unless there are express termination provisions, and there won't be any in this one, to put ourselves into a treaty which is subject to ECJ oversight, um, taking rules as they make them, g giving over to them the determination of any dispute, is not just a bad deal, it is a subjugation of the UK. So it's not that I'm a purist. I actually see the withdrawal agreement as terribly damaging to the United Kingdom. And actually, I'm allied with Remainers in that judgment. I think Remainers, many Remainers, including Gina Miller, with whom I was on the phone yesterday on the radio, um, is in agreement with me about the withdrawal agreement. So I'm not alone um, in thinking that about the withdrawal agreement. So that's the first thing. The second thing about how do we keep Boris's feet to the fire. In order for Boris to sign the withdrawal agreement and then get out by, he's really got to have done the deal with the EU by July, because if he hasn't, he's going to have to extend the transition period between, uh, beyond December 2020. For him to do that requires enormous political will. His party, with its current complexion, cannot do it. That, you know, there are 136 remain voting MPs in the Tory party standing again as PPCs, and I don't know how many PPCs are remain orientated. So they're going to go for this one nation Tory, Tory kind of agenda, which is not going to deliver Brexit. Um, you would need sort of Trumpian political will, having signed the withdrawal agreement, to somehow get a Canada-style deal by July. So the only way we can hold Boris Johnson to account is getting MPs into Parliament. I guess I'm just struggling to understand kind of you have so many uh valid concerns about the withdrawal agreement but you kind of have now just you you've kind of given boris a, a, the stamp of approval from the brexit party and so many of your supporters you know had, you, you know had shared those concerns so i'm just, that i'm that's what i'm kind of struggling to reconcile uh, the impression uh, you, you know can be made that you know, can, you can have the impression that we're supporting the tories we're really it's it's a vote against the Labour Party and the Liberal Democrats rather than support of the Tories. It's the lesser of three evils <laughs> is what we've got. For. But all that kind of stirring rhetoric about the clean break Brexit, you know, is all kind of yeah. are all yesterday's memes, aren't they? I mean, now it's, yeah, this withdrawal agreement that you've described as the subjugation of the UK. Um, yeah. 
you know, I feel like after all that fighting and all that energy that we had in the European elections, um, you know, it's all just kind of dissipated. And that, you know, I, I'm sure, can you relate to sort of some of you, a lot of your sort of fellow colleagues and also supporters who feel perhaps a little let down by this and think maybe it's a little cowardly or... It, it, it is facing up to the political reality of where we are and trying to find a pragmatic way through. Nigel has always been on the record that a genuine free trade agreement, a, a, an agreement which just has simple arbitration provisions in it, rather than subjugating ourselves to the ECJ, would be acceptable to him. Um, we moved to a clean break Brexit before Boris Johnson became Prime Minister, when Theresa May was still PM, and she was effective. I mean, her withdrawal agreement keeps us in lockstep with the EU and it was really a stepping stone to rejoining, as far as I can see, um, having looked at her uh, her document. Um, but, we, you know, I, I agree. You know, it is disappointing that we haven't been able to get Boris Johnson firmly against the withdrawal agreement, like he said he would be back in July. Um, it is very disappointing. But we've got to make the best we can of what we've got in front of us. And I think if we were to be purist, as you put it right now, and fought all of them, I think what we'd get is another hung parliament, another God knows how many years of dithering around, um, and an inability to deliver Brexit, and the country would suffer enormously. Um, so so what, what, does it, what does it mean to be the Brexit party now? Are you st- oh, is it still hashtag change politics for good? Or what, what's it the is, identity? It what's it def- about? It's, it's definitely hashtag change politics for good. You know, what the Tories want to do is have a thumping majority. The reason they haven't stood down in the Labour seats where they've got no chance of winning, but we might, the reason they haven't stood down is because they don't want Brexit party members in Parliament. They want to get this election done, get Brexit done, as they say, and then go back to the comfortable existence they had, exchanging the reins of power every few years with the Labour Party. It's the devil they know. It's the devil with which they feel comfortable in Parliament and to have no new insurgent parties. And so we've got to get into Parliament. We've got to get a foothold there. And we've got to change politics for good. We can't have this kind of... We can't have politics where people are going around pressurising the opposition to stand down, incentivising them with... You know, I, 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 I loathe to use the word, but effectively bribery to come across. I mean, what kind of politics is that in the United Kingdom? That's got to stop. Yeah, no, I mean entirely. But I, I, and I, but I do think a lot of our listeners and certainly our readers really hoped you guys would were the were the force to do it. And I, I would, I would understand why they would feel maybe that they have they have yeah. been let down, especially the fishermen. Joe, I know you, you wanted to talk a little bit about the political declaration and what that sort of means for the UK fishing industry. Well, I think your criticism of, of the political declaration is entirely valid because it basically means that by next year we have to have a kind of a, a bilateral fisheries agreement, which pretty much going to look identical to what we have now, um, but just with slightly more sovereignty in it because we've negotiated it. Um, and we've you've stood down in these conservative seats um, in like the likes of Lower Soft, where uh, Robert was going to stand, Robert Rowland. Um, and June Mummery base, which is a conservative-held uh, area, and you're you're standing down in these seats. Do, do, do you think maybe the tactics send the wrong message on that front? Well, I think if we knew how the Tory party was going to behave after we stood down, <laughs> I think we may not have stood down, <laughs> um, is the frank answer. Um, I'm, as I said, I, I think I've said in this conversation, I'm furious with the Tory party. I think they've behaved ab- abominably. And um, 
you know, we will try and get those seats in Parliament and then hold them to account. A um, final question for you, Ben. Who are you going to vote for? <laughs> I know it's rude, like asking how much people weigh or how whatever they earn, but and then you I'm know gonna... I'm in a real dilemma. <laughs> yeah, um, I bet. <laughs> uh, Greg Hands is my local MP. Greg was at Robinson College, Cambridge, at the same time as me, and he's a good man. Greg is a good man. I think he voted Remain. He is a good man. Um, we had an excellent candidate who would have stood um, against Greg, a chap called Jeremy Maddox, who has now obviously stood down. Um, I've got to think very hard. Um, Greg is a good man. Uh, I don't know the Liberal Democrat. I certainly wouldn't vote for a Liberal Democrat. I, f I certainly wouldn't vote for Labour. So the question for me is really, do I, you know, do I, do I vote for Greg um, or do I not vote? It'll be the first time. It'll be the first time I haven't voted. If I don't vote, it'll be the first time I haven't voted ever in my life. <laughs> that, that must be a really valid concern that you know those people who have who have felt disenfranchised by the sort of political class up until the Brexit vote wanted their voice heard, and now the kind of you know the party that you know you know I wonder if a lot of Brexit party voters who don't want to vote for Boris's uh, withdrawal agreement will end up not voting, and then that, that would I be a huge so. I, that would be I a think... huge shame. Yeah, and I think I think this this pressure to stand down candidates um, is hugely disrespectful to the electorate, you know, because the electorate have the right to make their own minds up. You, you know, why the hell shouldn't they be given the options? And um, uh, I, I was a I was a boxer when I was younger, so I'm a pugilist by nature. I don't understand <laughs> what it is to do anything other than go the distance, and. Um, so, you know, my predisposition is to fight on. Yeah, we're, now we're in the perverse situation where a Brexit Party MEP is going to be voting for a Remain voting Tory. I mean, this is this is through, through the looking glass, Ben. Yeah. If, if I were to vote. If you if were, to, I vote. were to, vote. to vote. Ben, thank you thank you so much for taking the thank time out of your busy much. morning to speak to us. Um, and good luck with all this soul searching. You've got a few weeks left. Well, I'm going to be fighting. I'm going to be fighting Fighting like souls. And do let yeah. us know if you decide to vote for Joe Swinson. <laughs> Um, and we'll, and I, hopefully we'll get to speak to you again soon. Thank you very much. Thank you much. ever Thanks. so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, so that was Ben Habib, Brexit Party MEP for the London area. Very charming man. Uh, Joe, what did you think? I thought that was a really interesting chat. No, in, in, uh, really interesting. As you're right, charming, very well-spoken. Which is kind of that's become the hallmark of the Brexit Party. They're all they're all very much professionals in their own fields and mostly very good speakers and communicators. Um, and what's interesting is actually he does personify that kind of split in the party. You've got like he, he said that Lawrence Foreman does support the deal, um, but then he's obviously going against the deal massively, and he's he, he's labelled out the criticisms of kind of the ECJ uh, governance of the transition period, uh, the fisheries in the political declaration, and he is basically now sees. Brexit Party is what we've called them for a long time, a pressure group. Um, but he does genuinely also seem confident that the Brexit Party can win seats. Yeah, yeah, he really thinks he's going to pinch some some Labour seats. He really, yeah, you're right. There was a lot of conviction in that, I thought. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it, it, it's interesting to hear a genuine kind of confidence because obviously we don't speak like kind of people from the Brexit Party every day, but to hear their point point of view and um, they're steadfast that there actually can be an electoral force when most people would write them off including the Conservatives. I think you're completely right I mean he really 
yeah, summed up that conflict within the party really well. You know, I think we all thought that we understood the Brexit party playbook and it was about, you know, causing as much of a headache for Boris Johnson as they can by sort of squeezing him and holding his feet to the fire, like you said, to deliver that kind of, you know, end of Jan exit, no extension on the transition uh, deal, clean, as clean break Brexit as they can manage. And now, I mean, it's really hard to figure out what they stand for. I cannot imagine how disappointed a lot of their supporters must feel. And if they can't even kind of get the messaging together and can, as, as a party and decide on their um, position on this, they're no different to the split cabinets we've had, you know, the divisions within all the parties and, you know, the ultimate division in the country. It's, you know, no one is immune from uh, how divisive Brexit is, it seems. No, absolutely. And the, the split is for their there to see um, Nigel Farage has been kind of criticised on Twitter by certain candidates and stuff. So it's, it's really interesting. Yeah, um, it is interesting. In that regard. Totally balmy. Um, and then while I've got you, because I know you've got to go and do some work, I just wanted, Joe, to talk about these pretty, uh, what would you call them, spicy comments from the outgoing European Council President Donald Tusk. Um, he was speaking at the College of Europe in Bruges. Um, you know, he was really having a go at Brexit, Cal Supreme. Uh saying how, you know, he's spoken to sort of leaders from across the world, India, New Zealand, Canada, South Africa, and, you know, telling us that after we leave um, the EU, we will become a second-rate player on the world stage. Um, and said that it was kind of uh, the sort of melancholy that is Brexit, sort of signals the end of the British Empire and kind of Britain as a as a significant force on the world stage. And I just wondered, is, well, I mean, Jesus Christ, firstly, and then secondly, you know, these comments just don't really help, do they? They don't really help the Remain cause because it's just... It's just further alien, you know, it, it, it's just further evidence of kind of senior EU people having a go at Britain and the de the, de the democratic decision that we made. I just wondered how you thought those comments played and does he really just not care anymore? <laughs> okay, so I'm, I'm sure we can both agree that the one thing British people hate is being told uh, what to do, especially yeah, by kind of foreign leaders. So um, back in 2016 during the referendum, Campaign Barack Obama steps in and said, look, you're going to be at the back of the queue uh, for a trade deal with the US if you leave the EU. Um, and people didn't particularly like that. And they saw it as actually one of the reasons that kind of it helped the leave calls over the, over the line. Um, and now the fast forward to Donald Trump. No, he's definitely kind of not being helpful, but he doesn't see it like that. He sees himself in the, in the European Union structures as this great um, help to remain. And he is and he, he said it in his own words, he has done everything in his power to basically avoid a no deal and to give Remainers time to basically help kind of change the narrative towards a second referendum. And he, and he even said that. He, he, he literally, in his speech, um, which I watched the other night, he basically said, like, look, don't give up. There is still time. You, 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 you've taken this to, by using a football analogy. I was you've just taken it say, to extra time. And we did, but we don't need extra time. Just like how we trounced Montenegro last night, um, we don't need extra time. <laughs> well, it's, uh, maybe to keep in the football analogy that Theresa May um, took us to quite a boring draw, and now Boris Johnson's desperately trying to win it during extra time. But as Donald Tusk seems to think, there might be penalties where Remainers can still turn it around. Um, so no, look, is it helpful? Probably not. But does he he care? He, no, not really. He he was the one in all these European Council summits that were was pushing for that the longest possible delay. He would have happily um, kind of pushed leaders towards a five year delay if he thought it was gen genuinely possible. If it helped deliver a second referendum, and and he just generally doesn't like Brexiteers. Do you remember last February that he put in this he put in this comment about. Um, I have a special place in hell reserved for Brexiteers 
that don't have a sketch of a plan for how to leave the EU, which was kind of widely considered a, Boris, a dig at Boris Johnson, who, who stepped away from the leadership after le- leading the uh, Leave campaign uh, kind of over the line. Yeah, he's no friend. He's no friend of the Brexiteers. Um, and I suppose to finish. No, on fo- definitely not. And I suppose to finish on a football analogy. Um, yeah, maybe it will go to penalties, but I'm just not sure if uh, Boris Johnson is our equivalent of Harry Kane. Or they think it is all over. Then it is now. At least the podcast is. Joe, it's been an honour and a privilege. <laughs> Thank you for Absolutely. making the time. And um, we will catch up with you on on Tuesday for, on Wednesday rather for our regular pod. Absolutely. Ta-ra, our kids. Everyone. Have a good weekend. Bye-bye. Bye, Joe. Bye. Catch you Well done for making it to the end of an episode of Brexit, The Final Countdown. If you're still enjoying The Countdown, you can subscribe for free. And if you're really enjoying The Countdown, you can also leave us a review.